You're listening to The Worship Review, a podcast which evaluates contemporary Christian music for the good of the church to the glory of God. This podcast is for the whole church to encourage thoughtful engagement with the words, emotions, and ideas in our music. We hope you enjoy this week's episode. Hello and welcome back to The Worship Review. My name is Tyler. I'm a graduate student at a Midwestern university studying linguistics, and I'm joined by my co-host, Colin. My name is Colin, and I have not drank as much coffee as Tyler has, obviously, at this moment. I am a professor in history at the same large Midwestern research university in the United States. That he is. And today we are doing what we always do on this show. We are describing and critically analyzing the content of Christian worship music. Today we're taking a look at a song called Build My Life by Pat Bennett. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my On this show, what we do is we look at the content, we look at the actions, and we look at the clarity of a song before giving a five-point, not always points, actually always something other than points, but a a scale of five, a recommendation for this song to be used in churches. So to begin with Build My Life, Colin, let me ask you, who or what is this song about? This is a song in which worshipers are the primary actor, and they are are proclaiming that God is worth praising. They ask God to make them more aware of His worthiness, and they proclaim that they trust God. So, there is a—and the worshipers fit two forms. There's a collective we, a first-person plural, worshipers, and then there's also an individual who is worshiping as well, and they get—like, the camera zooms in on them in the chorus and on the bridge— And they're clearly worshiping Jesus. Jesus is named as such, and he is said to be or have the name above every other name, and he is also described as the only one who could ever save. The song also says of Jesus that he is worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, which I took to be a reference to the end of Psalm 150, which is, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord, as sort of using breath as a euphemism for praise. Mm-hmm. Worthy of all the praise we could ever breathe. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. I would probably disagree with you there and say this is... A, a depiction of the entire life of the believer being offered up to to Christ. So just like how he's worthy of every song we could ever sing or praise we could ever bring, uh, he's also worth every single breath that we could ever breathe. Yeah, meaning. I think you actually, you're right. And I think we can see that because it says, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you, we live for you. So living, being connected to breathing, 
which suggests that breathing here is about living rather than than breathing. Uh, I just can't help but think about a song like Great Are You Lord, where breath is described as the exhaling of words. So it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. But in this case, it's not quite that, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. In fact, these verses seem to primarily do two things. First, they want to set Christ apart. So the first three lines of the first verse and the first two lines of the second verse are describing what Jesus is worth more than, and then they conclude each verse with uh, a a description of what we do. We we live for you. So it's kind of an an encouragement to the believer to live their life for something greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. There's also... And I'm not sure if it's a person or a thing in this song, but there is this holy. Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. So the word holy shows up at the beginning of the chorus. I couldn't tell whether it's an adjective that isn't connected to anything, so a substantive, which is just like saying holy one, but it... It just doesn't have the one. So the line is holy. There is no one like you. Or is holy attached to you there? But it just, for the way that the song cadence worked, it was best to put holy at the beginning. Or is it an interjection? Like, holy something. Guacamole, (laughs) of course. Uh, Is it holy guacamole? There is no one like you. I don't know, Tyler, you're a linguist. Maybe help us out. I think that we have to f- permit them to be a little bit more flexible with their syntax. I don't think that what we're dealing with is a holy guacamole line here, <laughs> but it just it does seem to be functioning as a kind of interjection uh, mm-hmm. because it's not the holy one, which would be a substantivized mm-hmm. adjective. It's not uh, holy lord, which would be a a descriptive adjective of lord. And it's also not in the predicate of the sentence following a verb, so it's not the Lord is holy. It's doing something completely different. But I think it's in line, actually, with the flow of the song. And I think that we should interpret this in the Hebrew sense of holy, being kadosh, being set apart from something else. The the original Hebrew meaning of holy would have been something like that which is set apart for a sanctified use. And so... If we say there's nothing beside him, nothing like him, he's above all all things, then we are describing something that is other in a very good way. Yeah, and this is the way that, I mean, this is clearly an idea in Scripture. There is no one like God. There is none beside him. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 2, where uh, the text reads, There is none holy like the Lord. For there is none beside you, there is no rock like our God. This, in fact, is even something God himself says about himself. Uh, Isaiah 45, verse 6, There is none beside me, I am the Lord, and there is no other. Mic drop. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, it is, isn't it? So, definitely not holy guacamole, although I realize um, I uh, I need to apologize for my cultural appropriation. So, my ancestors came from England, so I meant to say holy beans on toast. I thought you ate cheese on toast. No, no, beans on toast. The the British can't afford cheese. It's austerity. And a cup of kind of cheap tea. 
A cup of tea that for which the bag has been used to make everybody else's tea as well. Ugh. Go there and ask for squash sometimes. You, you think you're getting juice? Uh, no, it's not. It's just watery flavor drink. Squash? Just be near a sink where you can spit it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Very good. So that's that's several jokes at the expense of the British. Uh, these, but they they're so they've got great senses of humor, so they're happy. Yeah, they're to pretty thick skinned. <laughs> we can just poke fun at them. That's true. <laughs> okay. I was thinking back to the Viking Age for some reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This song also points to some practical conclusions for the singer in the chorus. He's going to build his life on and trust in Christ alone, and therefore it's going to be secure. And this song, therefore, we should say is, uh, to some extent, for Christ, to praise him and for the believer to orient his life in this, in this world. Is that is that what you think is happening with build my life that it's about orienting and maybe this is getting into the actions but I was just a little bit curious what build my life means That is how I've interpreted this I've I've interpreted this as a reference to a parable uh, where the foolish man builds his house on a sand but the wise man builds his house on the rock and Therefore, build my life, I interpret as wisely building it on a stable foundation of Christ, mm-hmm. not looking elsewhere. But you say this line was quite quite ambiguous for you? So I also went to Christ talking about building your house on the rock, where he tells us what the rock is. It's a euphemism for, well, he... He tells us what building your house on the rock is. It is l- listening to his words and doing them. Mm-hmm. That's what he says. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't say build my life. He says build a house. So I don't know. I just don't know what build my life means because it's like a metaphor on top of a metaphor, which mm-hmm. I guess uh, obviously we're getting into coherent clarity, coherence issues, but I don't know. That's traditionally called a mixed metaphor and is generally seen as poor form and somewhat convoluted unless it's done for specific poetic reasons. Yeah. Um, because as you're, I think, hinting at, Colin, lives are not built, right? Right. We come into being as children. So it must be metaphorical. I but think then so. it's also referencing Jesus's metaphor or Jesus's parable. Mm-hmm. But. Why don't I just say build my house? I don't know. But then I guess that would be too easy, Colin. That would be way too straightforward. We wouldn't have the semblance of being profound by being vague. So, so he says, "I will build my life upon your love." So he says, "Build my life," and then also he's going to build it on your love. Whereas the parables talks about building one's house on the rock being compared to listening to Christ's words and doing them, mm-hmm. which I guess there's, there's love in that, but it's not exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. So I was trying to f- think of a charitable interpretation of what 
he's saying there, so there's Romans 5, 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So maybe, mm-hmm. does that mean that the love that he's talking about building his life on is the love that we see in the gospel, in which case it's like a euphemism for love really means the gospel. No, it's certainly a a bit of a mixed metaphor. You could make the argument that build my life upon your love is analogous to I will put my trust in you alone. So build my life might mean put my trust, but then why not just say that? Yeah. Why, why use the build my life metaphor? I just don't, I don't understand why build my life has to be a thing. Mm-hmm. I, well, why I just remember, do the easier thing? Or do the, the clearer thing. That's even. what I mean. I remember doing research on the artist and trying to understand why he used this turn of phrase. And I, I don't have an answer for you. I can't say that he's explained this. But what he did say, and I think this is interesting, so listeners, pay attention what he said his goal for this song was, was rather than direct the eyes upwards, which we're used to doing in praise, he wanted people to look downwards and see where their footing is resting so that they could see the rock that they had built their life on, or they could see the sand that they had built their life on and I guess try and correct course. So his goal here is to get us to acknowledge and come to grips with the things that we have rested our lives on. If that's your goal, Pat Barrett, I'm sorry, but you have failed. (laughs) Because at least describe the rock. At least describe the thing that you're standing on. Yeah, it it is one thing to assert that it's solid, but it's another thing to assert that um, the rock is the redeemer who has existed from time immemorial right and And we rest on him because he is righteous and he died on the cross and and because he holds us fast right yeah certainly um colin what other actions do you see taking place other than the building of the life of the singer on the love of christ okay so the singer does say some things that he is going to do like uh, he, he makes promises. So he promises to live for you, which is for God. He promises to put his trust in Jesus and to not be shaken. There are also some proclamations about Jesus. So in one of the verses we have Jesus, the name above every other name, Jesus, the only one who could ever save, worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. Jesus, the name So we know that there are some things that Jesus either is or does, so some actions there. So Jesus, the only one who could ever save. So it's not saying that Jesus saves, but that he is capable of saving. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of that Westminster question, why is it prerequisite that the Savior be both God and man? And the answer is to keep the human, part of the answer is to keep the human the sinful, flawed human nature from crumbling mm. under God's wrath. And I, I don't know if that's what they meant here, but that's what that brought to my mind, because why, why else 
would it be required that he be the one to save? Right. Why is he the only one who can save? Right. Which we affirm. We affirm yes. that Jesus oh, yes. bore the wrath of God, by the way, which we should just yes. clarify because— We're asking these questions not because we're skeptics, but yeah. because we find the text to be wanting in this Some way. Some could listen to our episode of How Deep the Father's Love for Us and get the impression that we don't believe that Jesus bore God's wrath, but we definitely do. So, we know that Jesus could save. So, this is a kind of an action— but it's also a possib- possibility. And then I was wondering, save from what, right? Mm-hmm. So w- clearly Jesus needs to save somebody or could save somebody from something. But the song, there's it's not clear who he could save and from what he could save them from mm-hmm. and to what he could save them to. Mm-hmm. So I, I just... You know, which is maybe why, maybe why this is why the worshiper is also asking Jesus to show me who you are. <laughs> because they, they're like, I know you, I know you could save somebody from something. Could you, could you tell me some more about this? I don't know. I don't know. That's a it's, good point. It's weird. Uh, the worshiper um, also does some other beseeching. So he beseeches Jesus mm-hmm. to fill me with your heart. This also I found strange because we know who God is. Like if we're Christians, we know who God is. We know who Christ is. So this is Colossians chapter 1, verses 24 through 28. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake and in my flesh. I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, and then this is key, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. It's true that there are these mysteries uh, about God in the Old Testament. And obviously, there are still mysteries to be revealed, for sure. But the Old Testament is filled with a lot of language about God asking God to reveal Himself, which is ultimately looking forward to the cross, when who Christ would, when when God's plan of salvation is executed, and so much of what was obscure in the Old Testament prophecies suddenly became manifest and real and fulfilled. And Jesus goes and he explains to everybody, right, what all this stuff meant, or he explains to his disciples what all this meant and how all these scriptures pointed to him and how they're fulfilled in him. So, I'm not sure why a Christian living in the reality of the New Testament needs to say, Jesus, show me who you are. Mm. We know, unless the song is being sung by a non-believer, but then if they're a non-believer, they aren't going to build their life on Jesus's love. Mm-hmm. So, so there's this action in there about, you know, beseeching God to show Jesus, to show who he is, but I just don't understand the point of it. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And, and that's not the only example of a request, right? Yeah. There's, there's, there's a couple more. There's a request for a new heart, for example. Yes. Open up my eyes in wonder. So that's the first imperative 
Mm -hmm. Uh, Show me who you are, second imperative. Fill me with your heart, third imperative. Lead me in your love to those around me, fourth imperative. So we've talked about the show me who you are and and some of the issues with that. Um, And to talk about filling me with your heart, but Mm -hmm. we also believe if you're a Christian that you have been given a new heart. You don't. Yeah. You no longer have a heart of stone. You have a heart of flesh now. That's right. Uh, so I think we we should probably interpret this maybe a little bit more figuratively. So by fill me with your heart, maybe make my will conform more closely to yours. Right. Could say maybe that's a reading of fill yeah. me. Yeah, and your that's heart. something that a New Testament Christian can pray. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, we're, and, we're actually asked to pray it. Right. <laughs> And we, we should be desirous of doing God's will, especially when it contradicts our will, because we yeah. find those are the ways in which we really need to. Yeah. So you're interpreting heart here as a metaphor for will. I am. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you could do that. Lead me in your love to those around me. That's the last imperative there. So there's this kind of outward focus. It's not clear to me if this is a an evangelistic kind of leading or is it a neighbor love kind of thing yeah. where I'm led in love to those around me to love my neighbor. Yeah, I have no idea what that means. Is it lead the worshiper to people so he can do what? Like lead me... Lead me in your love to those around me. Like, mm-hmm. to what? To ask them what time it is? To ask them for change? I yeah, don't know. You could almost envision God saying, well, no, they're right there next to you. I put them there for a reason. Just go It's weird. Be, but, but what's weird about this is it's an imperative without an imperative. Hmm. In other words, it's, or it's like an incomplete imperative. It's like, hey, go do this thing. I mean, the, you know, the contrast is like when, when God gives the Great Commission, he doesn't say, go into all the world. Right. Be gone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. He tells us then what to do. Preach yeah. the gospel, baptize, you right. know, etc. I see. There's very little content to this yeah. imperative. It's yeah. just maybe a little bit ad hoc. Yeah, it just says, I mean, I, I, I presume that it's saying we're supposed to go and evangelize to people, but the song doesn't say that. Right. So we, ha- we have to interpret that. We have, to, we have to infuse the song with that meaning. Because... Not because we we are great, but because the song is again wanting of yeah. these necessary clarifications. And then the the first imperative that I said uh, was open up my eyes in wonder. Right. So, what do you think that means, Colin? Let's think about it. Let's look at it in context. Holy guacamole! There is no <laughs> one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart. And lead me in your love to those around me. So it seems like, is it describing conversion, like being dead in, in sins and then waking up? Like, like so you're, you're dead and then your eyes come open and you get filled with the will of God. And then, you know, as in the evangelical tradition, you need to immediately start going out and sharing. Again, I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying that that seems to be the way of it. My eyes are closed. They're, you know, darkened or blinded or something like that. He opens them in wonder. I then come to know more about him. I'm filled with his heart and I go forward. That sounds mm-hmm. a lot like a conversion narrative. Yeah. I mean, that's the best I can do. But even then we're, we're 
we're filling in some some real voids here. Mm-hmm. So what would you say about clarity, Colin? I view the song title and this line of building my life as unclear. The other thing that I see happening with this song is that despite all that it says of God being worthy or Jesus being worthy and that this person is going to put their trust in in them and that you know Jesus is a firm foundation there really is no concrete example or detail of why God is worthy it's just sort of saying that he is mm-hmm. and i could fill in that blank with a lot of reasons both objectively from scripture and in my own life i could i could give as many as 10,000 reasons that Jesus is worthy, but the song gives me nothing. So it's not really pointing me. It's pointing me to objective truth. It's true that God is worthy, and this is true apart from my experience of God. But it would be helpful, certainly, to have some detail and specificity. I mean, this is an undergraduate essay. I'm writing in red pen all over the essay, like, according to who, according to what, mm-hmm. what's your example, where's your evidence, mm-hmm. cite your sources. And I just don't see that here. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit empty of these necessary anchors for the assertions of God's goodness and holiness. Yeah, that's it. I found the pronouns in this song to be kind of interesting. So just oh. like we've seen in some other songs, we have first person plural in these verses where we're a collective unit singing praise to God. And then in the more repetitive parts of the song, it tends to be dominated by singular pronouns. Yes. So we have an acknowledgement of the collective early on in the first two verses, every breath we could ever take. Uh, but then the the heavily repeated refrain is about me building my life yeah. on on his love. So I think we see a greater emphasis on the individual in the rep- repetitive parts of these songs open up my eyes and wonder show me who you are and fill me with your heart and i will build my life upon your love and i will put my trust in you so i'm not saying there's anything wrong with that but it's interesting to note the trend toward using plural in the less repetitive parts of the song the less flashy the less loud parts of the song and to use me and i in the more the more i guess what we would think of as showy parts of the song, the songs that are, the parts that are going to be repeated for minutes on end. It's also the case that the col- the collective we is being used in the sections of the song where God is more of the focus or Jesus is more of the focus. So there's just kind of a sense that Jesus is receiving the worship of a collective group. And then a lot of the actions are taking are the individual. So Worthy of every song we could ever sing, praise we could ever bring, breath we could ever bring, we live for you, we live for you. So camera kind of on Jesus, mm-hmm. collective, or, or praising Jesus. But then when, the, when, when human beings are taking action, more concrete action, it's an individual. I will build my life on your love. It's a firm foundation. I will put my trust in you alone. I will not, and I will not be shaken. The first person plural is really there to situate God in the midst of an assembly worshiping him. Yeah. So Colin, 
what would you say to someone curious about doing this song on a Sunday morning? They think, you know, I want to direct people's eyes downward this Sunday. What would you say to that person? Uh, you know, the song has great intentions. I don't think you can fault any of the in- intentions. I do think it's true that Christ is worthy. Uh, what the song misses, though, is a warrant for believing, for understanding why he is worthy. There's really not much gospel, not much specificity. There's some incoherence and some mixed metaphor in here. So I would suggest that worship leaders stay away from this song. There are better songs that are are like this song that, like 10,000 Reasons, for example, I think is a better song than this one that is similar, but that just doesn't have the the incoherence that this song has. Mm-hmm. And 10,000 Reasons at least had, four, what, four and a half reasons we came up with? <laughs> yeah. So, you Counting know. Counting them. Yeah. Yeah. And even the 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 vagueness and ambiguity in 10,000 Reasons was due to needless repetition, not, yes. uh, not turns of phrase that aren't English or something and, like you, that. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I did have a listener let us know that he thought we were slightly too harsh on that song, that maybe we should have been a bit kinder. And I think in hindsight, maybe, maybe so. But maybe that's another discussion, some other point. I would love to hear specifics. <laughs> Absolutely love to hear specifics. He didn't give me 10,000 reasons. He gave me a couple of reasons, but... Well, I, I have no doubt that we've been too hard on a couple of songs. Yeah. So, uh, you would not recommend this song? Nah. Nah. It's just a nah. Yeah, I've been It's not a strong, you know, it's not no way, but... Yeah, sure. I think I said of re- Reckless Love, I would not touch this song with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> you know, this is not... This is like a, a, a one-foot pole. Okay. Yeah, I have lukewarm praise for this song. Okay. I I find that it has left far too much out that we would like to see in a worship song. It's left a lot of specifics out about the reason why we can be assured of our salvation and uh, our security in Christ. It's left a lot out about Christ's character, even while hinting at these things. Read it slow. But this song praises God the Son for his infinite worth, his holiness, and it expresses a desire in the heart of the believer to follow him. And these things I find to be praiseworthy in a worship song. We learn that Christ is a sure foundation and is worth our entire life. Mm-hmm. That's not unpacked in any clear way necessarily, uh, but it's there. Uh, however, there's enough vagueness in the refrain that I think we have warrant for some significant concerns mm-hmm. and some prominent elements are left out like the other persons of the Godhead and the apparatus of salvation that has won us this kind of security. And the call to action once again has man as the primary actor Yeah, um, building Ty- my life. Tyler, I like in your praise of this song how you give specific reasons why the song is praiseworthy. Isn't that you know, useful? It helps me understand why you believe that. Does that move you to some element of praise for it the does. song too? It does. Interesting. I wonder if yes. we could incorporate It'd be that nice in some to, way. Because that, if that were generally true. Wouldn't it be? Yes. Yeah. We should we should send out a memo, shouldn't we? <laughs> yes. So, Colin, <laughs> what would you? Uh, what Did would you, you get the memo? <laughs> We're including reasons for our opinions now. Did you not get the memo? What would you give this song, Colin, out of five? I gave this two out of five teenage worship leaders. Very nice, referring to 
one particular Peyton Allen of Bethel Music, who is a kid who leads the worship. Yeah, I I give the song three out of five flag ladies because mm. there's a prominent uh, version of this on YouTube which has Pat Bennett singing with the Bethel crowd, and of course there's a flag lady doing some flag stuff. In the version I saw, there was a little flag waving trainee girl. She was she looked like she was like five, mm. and she was being trained on the flag waving. I hope mercilessly. I hope that she learns not to wave the flag improperly. No, that would be be a problem. That would be. If everybody at Bethel does their job right, the painters paint the right things, and the flag wavers wave the right things, and the worship leaders sing with enough gusto and make the right motions, and you know the closed eye, the eyes are all closed in the right way, then the glory of God will float down like a cloud of glitter. That it will. <laughs> Never going to get over that. Well. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in today and listening to this critical review of Build My Life. We're still not honestly sure what it means, but we appreciate your presence and... (laughs) 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 Oh, Oh, excuse me. Um, We... we (laughs) We appreciate having you with us today, and we hope to join you again on the next episode. Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Worship Review. Please subscribe to the podcast, leave a comment, or email us at feedback at theworshipreview.com. We accept donations at anchor.fm slash theworshipreview and patreon.com slash theworshipreview. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.